passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hello, welcome to Rewind a Dynamite, presented in super high definition. I am John Pollock alongside Waiting, who is going. I hope I hope your back muscles are are really prepared for a workout because you're gonna have to carry this one way. I don't know what you mean. Dude, I'm I'm just done. I'm done. Been a long day, huh? Oh my god. This has been uh it's been a long life, but um Do you think this job will age you prematurely? Oh dude, I'm gonna one day you're gonna turn this camera on and you're gonna be like, What has happened to this guy? But some people are probably already at that that stage already. So don't know what I can tell you, but yeah, yes, there, there's nothing great to talk about, but we're going to cover it all. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay overall. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy. So that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's what matters. Good to hear. Still haven't finished uh, Echo yet. Those, those final 20 minutes have eluded me all week. Hopefully you have, you have some time this weekend. That's my goal. Carve out 20 minutes. That's all I want. I just want mm-hmm. 20 minutes to finish this uh this show. So that's that's on my uh, to-do list. Uh what else? Um at least it, knock on wood. It sounds kind of quiet this weekend. There's nothing too much. There's the Don't new Japan show. John, please. You excited for the Super Bowl? Um not really. Not at all. I never am. Are you? Nope. Who's performing? What's what's the halftime show? Is it Usher? I I have no idea. I saw some of the commercials. Already? They put them out earlier. Yeah, I think they want the... This has always been... Or at least it's been the case for a while. They put the commercial out, and then it, it creates like... So what's buzz. the point? I, I don't I know. To? to me, I would be... Why not I just... Instead of paying the $4.5 million for my 30-second commercial, why not I just say, hey, here's our Super Bowl ad that we released during the week. And everyone was like, hey, look at this Super Bowl ad. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay the big fee... I'm just going to upload it to my YouTube and that that'll be my expense. 
it's an interesting tactic. Um, I I mean, there's still a lot of prestige to be able to say this is a legitimate Super Bowl ad. Mm, but I don't but, know. But I just told you this is a Super Bowl ad. You just take my word for it that it was. I mean, here in Canada, we don't even see them. So it's like... I mean, you do have credibility to to maintain, and I, I feel like these these big corporations do as well. So um, I'm going to need proof that it'll air on the Super Bowl. Wouldn't want any of these big corporations to lose their credibility with their consumer out there. No, no I saw no. one with Uber Eats with uh, David Schwimmer and Jennifer Aniston. Wow. Okay. Uber Eats is pushing. Their concept is that when you remember something in exchange, you also forget something. So you have all these celebrities that forget something. So they have uh, our favorite performer, Jelly Roll, looking in the mirror one morning and saying, someone drew on my face, not realizing these tattoos. He forgot that he got tattoos. And then you have uh, Jennifer Aniston and David Schwimmer meeting on a Hollywood lot. And Jennifer Aniston is like, sorry, have we met before? She's Hmm. forgotten who David Schwimmer is. And then at the end, it's Usher with his friend saying, man, I wish I could perform at the Super Bowl halftime show one year and his friends are looking at him because I think he's doing it this year. Yes, he is. Yeah. Way better in 60 second form from people that know how to do ads rather than we re- rewind a commercial, not going to be in our future. Right. Okay. Uh, well, that's in one too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, any, anything notable? About not that for one? Uber Eats. It's for Bud Light. If you could imagine. Mm, okay. Uh, sounds thrilling. Our Super Bowl dude. preview. Yeah. Coming up this Sunday. Is the yeah. Super Bowl on Sunday this year? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to hit off all the boxes. I want to get, I don't want to just get tweets. I want to get personal. Should tweets. I retitle this uh, video and this podcast to, to call it a Super Bowl preview? We'll get flagged right. if we use the word Super Bowl and we haven't paid some licensing fee out there. Yeah, so. I, 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 it's like the Olympics here. They're like, you say one of these things and, you know, mm. a lawsuit somewhere. <laughs> um, no more lawsuits. Um, please no no we have uh we, we have lots of uh legal issues to uh to to get into just on a regular basis but uh we are going to be uh coming back on thursday folks because if you want us to take a, a detour from some of the pro wrestling chatter well on thursday we're chatting about a documentary from 22 years ago the smashing machine which debuted at the tribeca film festival and then aired on hbo and this was a pretty pretty well um reviewed and widely acclaimed documentary of rarity in its time period in terms of uh, a look into mixed martial arts and this following around Mark Kerr at a time like some of the best documentaries, like you just follow someone around and it just so happens it turns into like the super tumultuous period in their life. And suddenly, you know, Mark Kerr, he's like this highly touted heavyweight at a time when, you know, the sport is certainly in its its lowest uh, level of popularity in the United States. But this is the rise of Pride, uh, which launches in 1997, and Kerr goes over to Pride. And this is sort of where we are in 1999-2000 as he's battling uh, drug addiction. And this gets into a lot of discussion about steroid use, painkiller use, and going from use to abuse. So it's a, a pretty compelling documentary that we will be discussing. That available for all members at postwrestlingcafe.com coming up on Thursday, number 150. So we will be celebrating 150 editions of Rewind Away. It's it's a really good documentary, maybe to this day. Um, I don't, I mean, I'm sure at this point there have been plenty of documentaries made about MMA, but I, I would probably 
suggest that this is still one of the best, if not the best, uh, combat sports documentaries, period. So uh, I'm happy to talk about it. Looking forward to it. Okay, that's coming up on Thursday. And, and uh, then, uh, uh, the movie that Dwayne Johnson will be adapting. Yes, Dwayne Johnson will be playing Mark Kerr in the mm-hmm. future release. And we will see if um, what the difference is. This will be everyone's litmus test to see how faithful it is to the documentary and what is... Um, can he talk like Mark, Mark Kerr? Can he do a Mark Kerr voice? I wonder. Mark Kerr is like, he's a, he would have been a great ambassador for any of these companies. Like he is, yeah, we'll, we'll save it for the for the review. Sure. Very, very good documentary. Spoiler. And then uh, coming up this weekend, we're back Friday night. Rewind to SmackDown. Saturday, news permitting, we will have the long and winding Royal Road with WH Park and waiting going back to 1995 for Masawa Kawada. Did you pick this or did WH... Uh, WH chose this, this. He chose it. But you were nominated to come onto the show to discuss this match. He chose the match and he also chose me. Yes. Well, he, he runs the ship. Okay. He does. Yes. Yeah. And then Saturday night collision course and Sunday. I don't know what's coming up on Sunday. Uh, maybe you can finally finish Echo. That's it. 20 minutes of Echo still to come. Maybe I'll read a book. That's what's coming up on Sunday. Uh, we, we have Karen and Bruce. Oh, of course. New Japan, new beginning in Osaka. Actually, mm-hmm. that's that's the big, big show. show of the weekend, uh, which is taking place. Will Ospreay's farewell in a five-on-five cage match. And then could be could be the final Tanahashi Okada match. What do you mean? Oh, okay, you're saying like um, ever, um, but certainly on this run in, in the foreseeable future. It might, like, let's just say like one. it's um, it it it. It very well could be their their last singles match. There is that uh, potential of things. I mean, what uh, do you think? They'll, they'll announce uh, Okada Tanahashi as his final two matches. Just like make a make it a best of three. For no, I'm just I'm matches. just saying. Like if if he goes AEW, it's not something where you you completely throw out the idea that you could do this match again. But nonetheless, it's going to be a very significant match. And like lost in all this, Brian Danielson is facing Zack Saber Jr. on this show on, on mm-hmm. top of it, which I mean is yeah. kind of like the number three match on this show. So that's that is a loaded um three matches to have on one card coming up in Osaka on Saturday. So big show. Uh Karen Peterson, Bruce Lord will be tackling that on the cafe on Sunday. So look forward to that. That's what I'll be doing. That and uh Echo. It sounds like a great weekend. Okay. Let us move on. Anything else you want to uh, get off your chest? Any ranting, raving? I, I mean, I'm, am I much of a ranter or, or a raver? Uh, you're not much of a raver, at least not anymore. <laughs> that was your 20s. Um, I do want to make mention on a serious note. We had uh, David Bixenspan on Pollock and Thurston today, and we want to focus the show around the Titan Gate scandal from the early 90s. And I think that there is a lot to be learned from from this series of scandals that the company went through and kind of juxtaposed to today. And when we're talking about the the culture of this company, I think it's best to go look at some of the DNA that we saw in the early 90s when they faced um, the the child sex scandal. And I don't think there is anyone better than David Bixenspan, who has done so much reporting on this story, knows this inside and out. And he was on with myself and Brandon Thurston for over an hour. What we tried to do was lay out who the major players were and try and it's a very complicated case but try and take people through sort of as a, an overview of it and you can certainly seek out uh Bixen Span's other work with Chris Zellner for a, more of a deep dive into uh, all of the different um 
events that went on in the early 90s. So would recommend mm-hmm. the show. I was very happy with how it turned out today. Yeah, I'm, there's really nothing good at all about any of this, you know, that that's been going on with Vince McMahon. But um, I guess one of the um, one of the few good things about it is that it's bringing to light a lot of these other stories that might have kind of been pushed into the, uh, you know, um, I don't know, just lost throughout history that might have not garnered as much attention. Um, this is a story that is. Um, I mean, has existed for a long time, but hasn't really had, I think, the relevant interest that it might be enjoying now. So thank you uh, to you and 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 Brandon and, and, and Bixen's fan for reintroducing it, I, I'm sure, to a, a wider audience. We'll go into the news. And uh, before we get into uh, some of the major news from today, I just wanted to make quick mention of uh, Toby Keith, the country singer who passed away a couple of days ago uh, from stomach cancer that he had been battling for a while. He was 62 years old, but Uh, From the pro wrestling side of things, he has a lot of tie-ins and could have been a pretty significant force in pro wrestling had the sale of TNA gone down in 2013. But Toby Keith was on that very first NWA TNA pay-per-view in 2002, doing this angle with Jeff Jarrett, who he was very close with. And as the story went that, that Toby Keith and Jarrett have always stated was that he got this late invite to perform at the White House or appear at the White House but he was like, dude, I'm booked on an NWA TNA pay-per-view. And he went to the TNA pay-per-view, which was quite the quite the choice that, that he ended up making. The man was loyal. And, you know, throughout his time, you know. He and, had, and hold on on this show, delivered one hell of a suplex. Look, like, at, he, did, he did like the one-armed, yeah. Like he, he did delayed the, the one-armed, delayed vertical here. And, uh, yeah, and then years later, Jared and Toby Keith were in advanced talks to buy TNA. But part of what fell apart was that Panda Energy, which was you know run by Bob Carter, like part of his parameters, at least one of them was that they did have to find a role for Dixie Carter. And that was I don't know if that was the, the sole reason that destroyed the deal, but it contributed to it. And they did not end up buying TNA. But had he could have been a very different landscape when you look at TNA and where things go and then he did do a guest spot once on an episode of Raw in uh, 2010. So uh, leaves behind a wife and uh, three children, but someone that certainly had uh, pro wrestling in uh, on, on his resume. But of course, is, is going to be much more well remembered for his uh, his his performance career. Let us now move on over to. Um, let's start with uh, this is a terrible, terrible story. One that you know we we had seen a number of years ago after after her passing, and that is Ashley Massaro, who uh, Vice.com's uh, Tim Marchman had a story on today. So she passed away in 2019. And when that occurred, um, the lawyer, Constantine Kairos, who was part of the, uh, the big lawsuit against the WWE that involved about 63 performers, one of them was Ashley Massaro, and revealed a affidavit that she had signed, this like 15-page statement, and it included... Uh, these rape allegations when WWE was over in Kuwait uh, meeting with the troops and Ashley Massaro stated that, you know, she was dehydrated and needed to be you know t- taken away to be tended to and was injected with a, with a drug and raped and did alert people in the company about this. And she alleged that she was told that, you know, Vince McMahon said that he was, he was sorry that this happened, but let's not, make a big deal out of this. And so in 2019, when this affidavit comes out and we see the statement from Ashley Massaro, uh, WWE 
uh, put out this statement. This was at the time in 2019. WWE is saddened by the death of Ashley Massaro, and we reiterate our condolences to her family. However, we regret that her attorney, Constantine Kairos, who filed multiple cases against WWE, lost all of them, and was sanctioned multiple times by the court for repeated misconduct and false allegations, is using Ashley's death to further his malicious campaign against WWE by releasing an affidavit that she submitted to the court and later apologized to WWE for being involved with. So we wish to make certain things crystal clear. At no time was Vince McMahon or the management of WWE ever informed by Ashley Massaro or anybody else that she had been sexually assaulted, drugged, raped, or sodomized by a military doctor with a nurse standing guard while on a goodwill tour in, they list it here as 2007, but it's been clarified it was 2006, to U.S. military bases in Kuwait. In fact, if she ever articulated such a claim to WWE, we would have reported it immediately to the base commander. At no time was there ever a meeting with Vince McMahon, Kevin Dunn, John Laurinaitis, or other company executives in which she told them of such a claim and was instructed to keep it quiet. So pretty like solid statement from WWE in the sense of like there was no wiggle room that they absolutely were denying that this happened. So fast forward to today, and Tim Marchman's story comes out, and they got comment from Edward Brennan, who continues to be kind of the the vocal representative of John Laurinaitis. And it states in in the Vice article that Laurinaitis's lawyer, Edward Brennan, objected to the use of the term cover up but confirmed that John Laurinaitis knew about the rape allegations and said that, quote, most upper management did, contradicting WWE's claim that executives were never made aware of them. He goes on to state, any allegations that Mr. Laurinaitis helped to cover up an alleged rape allegation is an outright lie. Johnny, like most upper-level management, at some time became aware of the allegations and ensured all proper WWE protocols were followed, including privacy for the alleged victim. We object to the use of the term cover-up as no such plan or plot ever took place to hide or assist in the alleged rape. So this is contradicting the statement in a major way, indicating Mm -hmm. that John Laurinaitis knew and that company uh, management knew as well, which uh, flies in the face of this statement. Number one, like th- this is a this is a horrific set of details, and this is in essence corroborating what is alleged by Ashley Massaro by John Laurinaitis, who has now, through his lawyer, in a sense, corroborated aspects of Janelle Grant's lawsuit, and has now corroborated this. And like, listen, John Laurinaitis is like he is coming at this from the sense that he is a he is willing to play a role in all of this that he can corroborate a lot of these charges that he has to know that you know that his lawyer is conveying here so i mean he is kind of putting himself in the middle here and is someone that can confirm or deny a lot of sensitive company material and it also is going to shoot a lot of credibility in the wwe's way when they have a public statement that is saying the complete opposite and now you have a, me- a member of said management that is stating the opposite. It's a really important um, piece of, I guess, information um, that does not necessarily prove or disprove, you know, uh, Ashley Massaro's uh, affidavit, but it does discredit WWE and might point to a level of, um, I think, you know, uh, 
lying and deceit that might have existed in that company's culture. And this could potentially at the bare be... minimum, like WWE has to answer for this and this mm-hmm. statement. Do they stand by their 2019 statement? Are they going to actively um, d- dispute John Laurinaitis's uh, statement here through his lawyer? Mm-hmm. And we, anybody who, you know, maybe reads uh, either the vice article or, or Ashley's affidavit itself, you'll be just as horrified reading it as you would, you know, the, the Vince McMahon, Janelle Grant lawsuit. Um, and there's, there has to be some hope that some justice might be found for her, you know, even in, in death um, as a result of, of this story now getting a bit more attention. So uh, whether or not it does, I mean, you know, we'll find out, but it's, it's yet another story that is kind of being brought up here in re- relation to the history of these terrible stories attached to Vince McMahon in this company. The last thing from the the Vice piece was that Vice News can report for the first time that the Naval Criminal Intelligence Service opened an investigation into Massaro's allegations in June 2019. So this is one month after she her death and the affidavit being made public. That investigation was closed in January 2020, according to an NCIS spokesperson. Further information, they said, could not be immediately released as it would need to be obtained under the Freedom of Information Act. Which you and Vixen Svan spoke about today. On yes. The show. And I am sure that there are going to be many people that are going to be filing uh, such a freedom of information request uh, for this as well. And the fact that there is uh, there was an investigation and a specific one that you can easily refer to and hopefully the results of which are released to the public. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, a, it's a really it, it's a terrible story. And it's at a time when. WWE and its culture is very much under uh, a microscope and deservedly so. I think this is the time that you have a lot of attention and people are looking underneath of what I think more and more we are seeing that, yes, um, there is a lot focused on Vince McMahon. But as we have said from the get-go, this does not begin and end with Vince McMahon. And Mm -hmm. there is a lot that you can dive into um, the Ashley Massaro case just being yet another one of them also today we got news of the firing of scott demore by tna wrestling um this was this announcement came out uh earlier this afternoon and tna making a statement that uh they're just essentially going in a different direction the press release was worded in such a way that they were complimentary of scott demore leaving but it was very notable there was there was no quote from Scott Demore. This was not um, this did not come off as any kind of amicable split, as they noted that his contract has been terminated. And from the press release, they state that the move aims to further integrate TNA wrestling into Anthem Entertainment Group, of which um, and this is naming Anthony Ciccioni as its new president, leveraging the entire company's resources to add more value in areas, including uh, production, distribution, marketing, viewership, customer acquisition, and several other areas. Ciccioni replaces Scott Demore, whose contract with Anthem has been terminated. Demore has been a part of TNA since 2003. He held many key leadership positions and played a vital role in the growth of the company, leading to its strong industry reputation today, including the successful return of the TNA wrestling brand in 2024. Anthem thanks him for the commitment he brought to the business, the talent, and the people who work outside the ring. So there was a a call with, with talent that TNA held today. And as you can see online, there has been vocal support from many people that um, this sounds like this caught many off guard or ones that they are 
very comfortable to protest uh, publicly. Like Scott Demore had a lot of people um, by his side in in TNA. And if you are just looking at this from a outside looking in perspective, this comes at a time when TNA is coming off one of their best you know runs of business during this entire anthem era between the hard to kill pay-per-view what they drew those week those weekends in las vegas and overall interest in the company with talents coming in like there is a lot of momentum for the company at this point and i think that there are a lot of questions that i think would give people pause of wanting to know all of the facts behind this before one rushes to judgment i mean you're not just terminating a contract out of nowhere like obviously there's more to this story and i think until you know what there is you can't really give a full kind of 360 degree view of whether this was the right move or not by anthem Mm -hmm. well not to mention just as a part of this entire rebranding demore really was your the face of the promotion at least from you know a a, a creative and sort of like like he had he had turned into the paul Heyman on screen like giving Mm -hmm. the big rallying speeches i mean he's He's out there after Josh Alexander and Will Ospreay, and he's just giving like this heartfelt, like he was becoming like the fig, like the, the most public, I would say, like face of the company. And I would also suggest um, the, the man with the most credibility for that role because of his tenure with this company. I mean, maybe outside of like a Chris Saban or, or some, somebody like that. But for somebody who um, has existed since the early days of this company, who's still a part of it and has earned, I would say, um, I think the the sort of um, applause, like deserved applause for like uh, carrying this company through some very dark times into, I would say, a pretty respectable you know position that it is today. He, he took over a brand that was dead like just Mm -hmm. barely with a pulse when yeah uh, in 2017 so i have to have to have to imagine anthem would expect some negativity towards something like this um and it has to make you ask the question of why this move was done so suddenly um what other other factors might be involved and we don't want to speculate live on air but it's the type of like suddenness that makes you ask these questions you you would have to uh t- t- take pause uh you know j- just the idea like there there's more to the story and i think that they will be asked of this um we have reached out for any kind of statement from scott the we will see if he states anything uh publicly um but yeah it's, it's a major shift and we will see as well the, the talent that responds to this like there were a lot of people like they were very much like um like he was obviously a leader that inspired a lot in his locker room. And there were many people um, willing to, you know, go to bat for him. I mean, j- just the fact that they're tweeting publicly, I think that that tells you volumes when we talk about, you know, it's, it's very rare that you see that kind of um, um, th- that kind of response when you're talking about talent that are going to be working w- under the regime that um, made this decision. Now, creatively what what sort of uh, changes or who do you expect to take over the mantle well some of the key creative people now are like tommy dreamer gail kim rd evans is there in the mix as well um like i would imagine like those are going to be some of your key creative people um lance storm is there in uh, mm-hmm. like agenting producing capacity anthony Ciccioni, i believe uh, delirious as well yes mm-hmm. he's also there in a creative capacity now you and i have a very unique uh, angle to this um mm-hmm. that we can probably speak to anthony Ciccioni more than most 
um, because we worked with Anthony Ciccioni when we were at the Fight Network. Um, I have no idea what Anthony Ciccioni's um, involvement um, in pro wrestling has been over the past uh, six years. He might be a total super fan now. Uh, he was not when we worked with him, but I would very highly imagine that he is going to be more the business side as TNA president. I do not expect Anthony to be sitting down and writing out promos and building up <laughs> programs for Bound for Glory. Neither do I. But I mean, hey, we have not worked with him in like six years. A lot has changed. We, I mean, it's it it, it possible. I, I, I can't stay. But, but that is not his background. That is not his strength as, you know, a professional in this industry. He comes from a television background, um, was one of the, the heads of the score, you know, sports television station. And then um, was, of course, responsible for or at least had a hand in bringing the WWE over to the score uh, at the time. Now Sportsnet 360 or, or at least owned by Sportsnet now. Um, mm -hmm. So he has history with professional wrestling that way but we really knew him as more of just you know almost somebody who's at the, who's at the top um from a business standpoint from a production standpoint has a long history in, in that department so i would expect him to manage or, or sort of move over into, into those fields uh, or those roles within tna creatively in professional wrestling i would expect to go to the 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 former wrestlers or people who have a, a longer history there that would be my expectation as well so um, that is a major move for for TNA. And mm -hmm. we'll see like there there was definitely more negativity to this story um, online from people that um, it does tell you what TNA that they had built up this goodwill among uh, fans. And yeah. Scott, the was your front facing person. So he has been credited for that that change and has been someone that has been a constant from 2017 up until uh, the present. But again, I. I think everyone's looking at this of like, wh what is not known versus what is in this press release as well. Uh, moving on to just a few other topics um, before we get to the, uh, the dynamite review um, cash Wheeler of AEW. He is uh, facing criminal charges from that arrest. He had last summer for aggravated assault with a firearm. Uh, there was a warrant that had been issued for Wheeler last summer, and he turned himself in, uh, in orange County. This was, when he was alleged to be uh, swerving on the highway and a driver in another vehicle had moved over to the right lane to allow Wheeler to pass him. And then this, um, the victim here, Daniel Mata, stated uh, to the officer in his police statement that Wheeler uh, allegedly uh, pulled up on the shoulder and then, you know, sh he ended up pointing his semi-automatic uh, handgun from the vehicle and Amada ended up taking a photo of the vehicle, called 911, and there was a court appearance, and it looks like prosecutors are moving forward to try and seek criminal charges against Wheeler, who um, the next hearing is set for February the 20th. So we will continue to follow that, but that was, um, yeah, I mean, that that was the story like last uh, summer, and I mean... Before kind of, All In. It was right before All In, and mm -hmm. uh, then had kind of been dormant for a few months. Raw did a million eight hundred and eighty nine thousand viewers on Monday night, a point five eight in the demo, holding up pretty well from the prior Monday, which was coming off the Royal Rumble. Um, this one had all the fanfare behind the Rock Roman Reigns announcement and how Cody would be handled on Monday's episode of Raw. So I, I would state this was a pretty good number um, in particular, 18 to 49. Like it was consistent across the board. They did 
748,000 in the demo in hour one, jumped up to 794 in the second hour, and then 755. So the third hour beat the opening hour, but that's very strong um, retention in the in the key demo for all three hours of the show. And um, yeah, that uh, that is all of your news that you can find at postwrestling.com. Of course, we have a big Thursday tomorrow with the press conference at 7 p.m. Eastern. Oh, yeah, that's tomorrow. Yeah, press conference. Mm-hmm. That's going to be – it's very interesting because you have WWE in Vegas for – of course, the Super Bowl is in uh, Vegas. You have WWE doing this huge press conference. Uh, AW is doing Collision just outside of Vegas on Saturday night, although that doesn't hmm. feel like a really big show. And UFC is doing a card at the Apex on Saturday night, which is – it's just funny that like UFC, they used to do – their Super Bowl weekend card. That was always a big show each weekend. And this year, like the Apex, you'll have like, God, like 100 people watching fights live in Vegas and uh, the night before the Super Bowl. I mean, it, it's a big crowd in uh, one of the most tourist-friendly cities in the entire universe. So, uh, Usher, what can you say? Yeah, Um Tomorrow's going to be a big day for WWE. Probably a lot of media attention on this. We should probably have the two major Mania matches known by Thursday night. You would think like the press conference will at least uh, clear the picture, if not paint like a direction. Like maybe we're going to have some um, passageway through Elimination Chamber to get to the the full lineup. But I mean, we, we should have a pretty a good indication of where things are going from this press conference that I would think they want to kind of hammer home um at least Rock's involvement on the show and confirming that match. I have to think with as much mainstream media that they might be expecting for something like this, you're going to get the main event. All six people that you might see on this graphic, that's the Roman Reigns, Bianca Belair, Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes, Rhea Ripley, and uh, Dwayne Johnson. I have to think you will know what their directions are for WrestleMania coming out of this. Um, and uh, everybody wants to know what's Cody's direction. So hopefully this will answer. All right. Well, that's Thursday. Uh, we'll have a report up on the site. Uh, Jack Manon will be uh, covering that for the site over at Post Wrestling. So check out all of that great stuff. This Post Wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio, If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. And now we move on over to dynamite from the footprint center in phoenix about 5200 tickets out according to wrestletix and excalibur welcomes us to the biggest dynamite of the year so far i mean we're only five weeks in but dynamite of the year so far i would say accurate yes it covers a lot of ground because this year already feels like it's been eight months yeah it has Mm -hmm. opening things up it is the number one contender bout between swerve strickland and hangman page winner goes on to face samoa joe at revolution and man pretty hot crowd from the beginning chanting for aew and we get right into things here swerve ends up stopping a buckshot attempt and gets dumped to the floor on his shoulder and page misses the orihara moonsault swerve hits this fosbury flop and the crowd's going nuts for this 
Page bites him on the turnbuckle, sunset bomb, but then swerve to avoid the sunset bomb, flips over, and dude, it looks like he comes down on his head, and he is like mm-hmm. selling for a bit, might not have been selling even, but dude, did this look like, oh my god, did he like escape death here? He didn't even really sell it. He just popped right back up and, and like did his interior. And, and then he goes down to the ground and you could see the ref go over. And I think he was like getting his bearings. But I mean, yeah. God, when another like what, 20 minutes after this? So scary. I mean, but, you know, obviously he seemed OK. You know, might might have just kind of posted Ooh. enough to, to prevent the damage on his head. But man, scary um, moment. Uh, very scary match, to say the least. Page is then placed in the tree of woe and swerve lands the stomp and then there's a table set up on the floor. So after page takes this stomp, he casually rolls onto the table and this table just gives way. And this crowd is so sad. They were like, God damn it. We came here for a table to break. <laughs> and so swerve grabs another table for this big pop and they just set it up in the corner. And this doesn't come into play for like way later into the show. So I don't know if they had the second table spot in mind for later for this, or they just, um, brought this out and improvised for later uh, we it could be all those things could have been just a tease of the table spot to come later but whatever they did i thought they managed to save the moment pretty well regardless i'm glad he didn't just take out the table and then we did the spot to just mm-hmm. be like okay we screwed up and we're gonna instead he just he set up the table and then we forgot about it for like 10 minutes and then it was this big moment with the table later with as much like evolution as there's been you know i, I don't know over the past 30 years with technology you figure there'd be some sort of a you know advancement in pro wrestling table technology to prevent stuff like this from happening Table legs are just that way. They're they're yeah. unpredictable. All of a sudden, Justin Roberts notes five minutes remaining. And in my head, I, I just assumed it's 20 minute time limits. It's 30 here. So this match, I couldn't believe we were at 25 minutes already. Continental Classic would be 20. But outside of that, that's probably what was in my head. Yeah. So uh, the buckshot connects onto Swerve, but Swerve gets his leg on the rope. And uh, Prince Nana is ringside here. But of course, Swerve had explained to him last week he doesn't want Nana to get involved. Then there's a dead eye on the edge of the apron. So Swerve is down and Nana is trying to get his attention. So he starts doing his dance to wake up Swerve. Swerve gets in at the count of 10 and Paige gets a chair. Uh, but instead of disqualifying himself, he nails Prince Nana and he's full heel by this point too. He had already mm-hmm. been kind of playing it, but now we're going, making it clear distinction between the two. Swerve boots the chair into the face, hits the Swerve stomp. But as he comes down, he buckles his ankle and he's selling the ankle, tries for the JML driver after getting to his feet, but it's countered and Hangman goes to the ankle lock, sensing the injury. Uh, but Page is knocked into the post. Swerve hits the his own dead eye on the apron through that table on the floor. Great spot here. And then tries for the swerve stomp, but misses and comes down on his shattered ankle and ducks a buckshot, lands the JML driver, but the ankle is hurt. So it just delays him going for the pin because of this ankle. Gets on top, one, two, and the bell rings, signaling the 30-minute time limit now i was not timing this match so i can't tell you if they nailed they nailed it or not it's not like we had the uh the countdown from justin roberts uh but this match was awesome i thought this was tremendous so awesome and if it's not actually 30 minutes i almost don't want to know like i'd rather just kind of <laughs> no, i, I want to know if they hit it if this was like 30 minutes and 10 <laughs> seconds it does like uh 
you, you got to note that. Well, you should have had the stopwatch. What was the stopwatch tonight, John? Uh, I Come just I, I was behind. I had to. It, it was it was a whole thing. Uh, I, I thought this match, uh, maybe time limit aside, because we don't have verification for that yet. Everything else about this, I felt was perfection. You know, the death match that these two had, I I think will be you know justly remembered for the violence involved. But I think what made it transcend just it just being a death match was the fact that these two are just fantastic wrestlers with or without all the gimmicks. Uh, and you largely had a pretty straightforward match, you know, table spot aside, um, without interference outside of you know Prince Nana dancing. But it just showed you like purely here they are great professional wrestlers, an amazing in ring storytellers, and they gave us. 30 minutes of excellence here and this time with hangman page pretty much fully embracing his heel role tonight now i don't think it's a heat like do you think it's the type of heel that that will stay throughout the you know the the, the other cities or do you think this is a one night type of adjustment for this crowd no i think they're going to just tailor it to the, the audience and, and play it this was one where i mean it started off it was i wouldn't say quite 50 50 maybe it was like 60 40 70 30 for swerve and they just played with that and by the end it swerve was... had like the injured shoulder it was teasing like an injured lower back at times yeah mm-hmm. i think like we, we've we've come to expect i think they just kind of roll with the punches and you know if you get you get a negative reaction one night it, it it's not cause for like i think we're, we're gonna have these characters that shift back and forth especially these two I guess is is this the time we should be reminding everybody that this this man invaded the child's um uh, the, uh, Paige's child's room? Also, did give him a gift, so that that's the silver lining to give him a shirt. True, yeah. Didn't yeah. abduct the baby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Big, huge baby face. Yeah. At this point, it doesn't matter. It's almost like the the audiences realize, okay, that was a gimmick. But who do we actually want to see ascend the ladder? Who has not received the opportunity yet? It's Swerve. So um, he's he's the major baby face tonight. And it keep, this keeps that rubber match out there. You know, these two have are one apiece, one, one, and one now. So that last match between the two to finally settle it, you can still save it for a pay-per-view. Uh, and, of course, it sets up for the triple threat. Yep, it's, it sets up your match for the pay-per-view. It still gives Hangman, like, this guy that he has never been able to beat. And the crowd booed when the time limit was hit. Um, Sorry, are they are they one one and one or has uh, Swerve has won both of them? I apologize. Swerve won both. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Swerve then states he wants five more minutes, and Paige is laughing, saying, "You had to beat me to become the number one contender. You didn't do it, and for you, it's over." And so that's all he cares about. He just does. He just wants to block Swerve from getting to that title match. So, what did leaves. Paige think it meant for him? I guess. Well, he explained he. He just doesn't want Swerve to get this title. He's going for the title, but it's more important that he can block this guy from getting what he wants as well. And he got to play spoiler here. Hmm. So he was complete. He was content to play spoiler. If he won, so be it. But he'll take this this time limit draw. But Tony Schiavone through Tony Khan notes that both are number one contenders. And thus we are getting a three way at Revolution and uh Page freaks out when he hears this while Swerve smiles. So yeah, Page was doing the sort of cowardly thing where, you know, he he was having a fit um, and not wanting to wrestle for five more minutes, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I think that this is a, like, you have three strong performers for this show that you can make arguments for any one of them to win this match. Um, like, personally, like, I think Joe has so much gas left in the tank as the, this champion. But you mm-hmm. can go uh, many different ways. You can go with Hangman, but he doesn't beat Swerve in this match. Um, 
feels early for Swerve, but I mean, he's the hottest of the three as well. And maybe they look at the the timing there. Um, so I, I think it's a really compelling match, and I think the quality is going to be outstanding. I I'm usually not a fan of like you know multi man world title headlining matches uh, because I tend to think it takes away from maybe the the sort of um, intimacy of of a singles feud. But this is the exception, especially after this incredible time limit draw that these two had. I mean. Page and Swerve, I think, will go down as one of AEW's best feuds. Um, so they they reheated it up very well tonight with this 30-minute time limit draw. And I think the story is going to be both of them wanting to w- reach the championship uh, and Samoa Joe trying not to lose it because he doesn't need to get pinned. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to it now. And should be the rare championship match does, that does not close the show at Revolution as well. That is true. Yeah, yes, well, at least be. not not world singles championship, you mean. Yeah. Swerve, uh, or sorry, we go to the back. Samoa Joe reacts. Once again, we celebrate mediocrity with neither man winning the match. They don't want me to be champion. And no matter what, he walks out of revolution as champion and both will suffer. He's pissed. Tony Storm, Red Velvet, Eliminator bout with Deanna Perrazzo on commentary. Uh, Storm is in control. She's landing with jabs. Red Velvet comes back with some of her own, goes to the body and in a wheelbarrow into the bulldog. Storm then trips her as Red Velvet is running into the corner that sets up a hip attack and DDT. And then she applies the ankle lock. She was taking notes during the last match. Steps on the head of Red Velvet for extra pressure and Red Velvet submits. And she won't let go of the hold until Deanna comes into the ring, gets into her face, and then Tony starts sniffing her. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I might, might be a bit hard to explain some of um Tony Tony Storm's actions really any week, or at least some of the things she says. And tonight she's uh proceeded to sniffing. Did they sniff back? Uh, I don't know wh- whatever era Tony Storm is portraying here. Did they sniff um, like this? It's rare that uh, the women ever get a sniff of the first hour of Dynamite. Oh. Yes, very good. Hey, I thought this was a good match. I thought Red Velvet looked really good here. And I think Tony Storm has found like a really good blend of this gimmick while mixing it up into like a pretty, you know, compelling modern professional wrestling style. Like she still does a lot of the personality stuff, but it's not so sort of cartoonish. Like it's in the form of wrestling holds and wrist locks and yes the lineup punches are kind of goofy but like i could definitely buy that over like a frying pan in in her butt or something so now that we have the 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 ankle lock clearly established is this going to be the moment at the pay-per-view where she applies the ankle lock to diana and she's face to face with the tattoo you i think you you probably totally guessed what why she introduced the ankle lock that makes total sense okay well this will be the uh she's gonna have a a crisis of identity at the pay-per-view when she has to be confronted with the duck. Yeah. Wow. That, uh, that would be quite, quite the, the ending spoiler alert, John, let's see if it comes true. Renee is with the best friends in orange Cassidy. So Cassidy is facing uh Ishii on Saturday's collision. And uh, Trent says, that's weird. And the six will be facing the undisputed kingdom on rampage. And orange Cassidy has asked if, uh, if that's a smart to have a match the night before a collision. And, uh, Cassie was like, actually, we're taping it tonight. And I got several days of rest before uh, Ishii. And uh, Chuck Taylor's <laughs> still injured, and they're off to go check on him. Not much to say. What do you, you know? What, what, These are designed to be awkward. Like, they're, they're, yeah. they're very much having their fun with uh, mm-hmm. the sign-offs at the end of these. 
Moxley, Danielson, and Claudio against Volador Jr., Mosker Dorada 2.0, and Hechicero. And we got uh, Mystico, Esfinge, and Star Jr. Uh, taking in. They got they got some uh, they got seats together. Not easy to grab three tickets at the last second either. Uh, well, they didn't stay for the whole show, so I don't know if they have a deal where you just sit down for your friend's match and then you can leave. No, oh, they're going to miss Rampage. Um, this match, um, you know, crowd crowd was into the CMLL talent here. Volador Jr. hit a tope suicida onto Moxley and Danielson as Claudio then stomps him after he lands. Then they did the same to Moxley after he lands a dive. There's a giant swing to Volador, and then Dorada goes to bounce off the rope into a double arm drag, but he gets caught up in the ropes, but... Man, did this guy just like, just totally like get right back on track? He made up for it later. Oh my god! More than like he didn't let this get into his head at all. He just Mm -hmm. continued forward. Crowds into it. There's a spinning hammerlock into a backbreaker by Hechicero onto Danielson. Four fifty by Dorada. Save gets made, and then the Busaiku knee lands on Volador, and then we get Hechicero in here with Claudio. I so want to see this singles match. Put that on Rampage. Put that Mm -hmm. on anything like Claudio and Hechicero for ten minutes would be tremendous. Uh, Moxley breaks up a stretch muffler by Hechicero, and then there's the guillotine leg drop onto Claudio. Claudio shoves Hechicero into the referee, and as Claudio lifts him up for the Manhattan drop, just knees Hechicero in the balls for the finish and pins mm-hmm. Hechicero. Excellent match here. You know, um, this and, and the Hechicero match from Saturday have been great showcases for CMLL and really great showcases for Lucha Libre. And Lucha Libre being treated in, in sort of principal roles on dynamite here um in particular in this match mascara dorada just looked amazing innovative you know next generation high flying very similar to like you know in the league of a commander or of a kingo but i mean hechicero um i don't know how often you could see like yave style at this level anywhere so he continued to feel very special on this AEW dynamite especially being paired with any of these members of the, the blackpool combat club yeah, and then Mystico Jr., Star Jr., and Sfinge jump the rail, and BCC, requiring backup, get it in the form of Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, Matt Seidel, and Christopher Daniels. And it's like, no no disrespect to any of these four, but like we talk about how loaded this roster is, and mm. like these are the four that have been dubbed Team AEW. <laughs> So what level of talent would you expect for a role like this? I mean, they're really just supposed to be supporting acts. You might get a Rampage match out of it. They did a Rampage match. That was last Friday. You might get more Rampage matches. All I'm saying is uh, people that are actually important to the show have their own big storylines going on rather than just, you know, being sort of the the guys to lose to the CMLL dudes. Well, I think that you – I do want to see them kind of like the CMLL guys, like they're putting this big focus on them. I do think they need some key wins to establish them and not just that they're, they're going to lose to the stars as well. Right. I think mm-hmm. that is, you know, you want to make the, like the, this group like feared, like something that like they are a threat credibility wise to the big talent. And it, they're not just reserved for wins over your side out levels. Well, what do you think the end game is with the CMLL integration? Do you think we get something for a revolution? I could I could certainly see something like uh, some involvement on that or some sort of like big showdown card of, of some sort. Um, mm-hmm. But but you really have to establish the CMLL guys to your audience that is not as familiar with them. But I think like in ring, they've done a great job, like just with mm-hmm. that. I think they did that tonight for sure. Things. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was a great match that they had here. Backstage, Chuck Taylor has been laid out by the Undisputed Kingdom. Um, so he's still injured. 
And then, so, so this was like what I felt like maybe AEW's attempt to maybe answer some of the criticisms of the Undisputed Kingdom not feeling threatening at all and not being at least sort of at the level at where they were when it was like, you know, anonymous and, and it was the devil doing these random attacks. This was one of those random attacks, except um, they're taking full credit for it. Um, but against Chuck Taylor's, I mean, like this firmly, you know, puts them into a feud with the best friends, which I would hardly say is an important feud for them to win at all. Maybe they should have gone after Matt Seidel. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Chris Daniels. Uh, but I guess it does also set up like uh, who's going for. Uh, yeah. Um, of course, Robert Strong versus Orange Cassidy. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the countdown. We're down to four weeks. Yeah. Tony Khan gives us his big announcement as announced earlier today. Ticketmaster had the big announcement, it turns out. So Tony Khan's just piggybacking off this. Uh, They're going back to Boston, the TD Garden, March the 13th for a very important night. It is AEW big business with tickets on sale this Saturday. Calls it one of the most important nights for AEW and one the entire industry will remember. And there in the graphic is Boston with the $2 signs. So we're, we're doing the, uh, the, the punk tees, essentially. We are, yeah, without like any sort of a verbiage, um, like best in the world. But I mean, seeing it in the graphic. I would say this itself, is even more over. Well, it's at I, the I same level. Far. It's 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 as overt as the punk one. Yeah. It's at the same level. And I, I think uh, this is kind of about the, the announcement we all expected, like not a blatant announcement. Hey, Mercedes Monet is going to show up. Um, but something to basically spell it out without directly spelling it out well they did literally spell it out here actually um <laughs> but uh yeah it's about as much confirmation as you need in um uh we'll see how they do in terms of ticket sales do you think this could be as successful as the first dance um i don't think it's going to be that level i mean that that would be well let, let's put it this way the last time they were at the td garden was for blood and guts last july and they did about nine thousand, just under nine thousand. Do you see it doing higher than 9,000? Um, I do see it being higher. Like anytime I and, think they... that's a real success for them. Like AEW is mm-hmm. not doing 9,000 tickets for TV these days. Like, when was the last be... time they did 9,000? Um, I'd have to look it up. It's 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 been some time. Like they did five tonight and, and that's a good number by current standards for what AEW has been doing weekly. I mean, I have to think they'll, they'll load up the card as well, you know. Um, but is Mercedes Monet as big of a name as you know um maybe we think she could be or maybe she thinks well, she could last be or year when she got announced for that san jose show i mean we have such a small like for for a u.s show like it's not like mercedes had all these big matches because she was hurt for so much of the year but when they mm-hmm. announced her for san jose like the remaining tickets were gone right away um, but that was like 2000 or so that they had, right. like it was a very small building. Um, but this one, listen, if they, if they do 9,000, that's a hell of a feather in her cap. Cause this is all on Mercedes uh, mm-hmm. in terms of, and team. do we get a match? Is it just a promo? I guess we'll see the, the closer we get, like they mm-hmm. could also pivot. Like if they, like, let's just say three weeks from now, we're two weeks out from this show and they're at 4,000 people. Um, like maybe they feel okay. We gotta we gotta ramp this up and, mm. and do something more. I would, I would just do like the arrival and shoot an angle. Um, that would be my guess for night number one. Build to the next match. Who do you but, pair with? Biggest I, name in the in the in the roster right now is Tony Storm. It is, and if she's not busy, I think this is a perfect time to r- bring back Britt Baker. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's a it's mm-hmm. a good program someone that has not been on tv forever 
And I mean, that's just one idea, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure that they have this mapped out because this has been expected for some time. Jericho, Kanosuke Takeshita with Callus and Hobbs in the corner rematch from DDT's ultimate party last November. And right away, Takeshita hits a brain buster on the floor. Jericho fights back and then Hobbs trips him. And then Sammy Guevara shows up, nails Hobbs from behind with a chair and Hobbs just turns around, no sells it. So Guevara leaps off the steps with a cutter to Hobbs and then another chair shot, which Excalibur makes sure we are aware his hands were down. He had no chance to protect himself. Uh, a, a rare unprotected chair shot on television these days. I mean, it was more of a shot to the face, but I mean, sure, like probably didn't feel that great. Then Jericho put on Konosuke Takeshita's mask <laughs> and then climbed to the top. And I don't know how well this mask was uh, was adjusted because he leaps off the top for a high cross <laughs> to the floor Dude, there was no water in the pool. And this guy just leaped in this mask and crashed to the floor. Takeshita didn't catch him at all. And, dude, he just belly flopped on the floor. Like, this, to me, was just, like, the ultimate. Oh, man, dude, the best oh, part. So this is, like, a, a Takeshita's Oni mask. Like, it's it's a devil mask with horns on it. Well, it And one possessed. of those horns oh. got stuck on the mask. <laughs> It dro- he drove the mask into the mask. Oh my god! Yeah, a very ugly one dive. Of the most dangerous yet goofy looking injuries you had ever seen. Um, yeah, this, this was a blind, like a, a leap of faith for sure. From oh Jericho. god! When I just saw him land, I was like, God! He <laughs> Takeshi got none of him. He went. Well, he all, was he, he was diving it right down onto the floor. I mean, that looked like the most painful thing here. So anyway, Jericho recovers from that. There's a senton off the turnbuckle. Jericho gets his knees up. Then he tries to lion salt. Takeshi gets his knees up. And there's a flying forearm into a code breaker that Jericho catches him with. Lion salt gets turned into a blue thunder bomb. Takeshi gets his guard up to block the Judas effect. And then he hits an avalanche blue thunder bomb off the top to Jericho. Takeshi lands the big power knee, goes for the leaping knee, but it's caught with the walls. He applies the walls. Don Callis takes a chair. He slides the chair into the ring. So Bryce Rumsberg, who is checking on a man's safety in this walls, sees this chair by itself. Got to go check on this chair. Got to go make sure this chair is not like grabbed by the invisible man. And Bryce just turns his attention away to focus on this chair. So Callis can go over and stab Jericho with a screwdriver. It's like, I thought Bryce looked so foolish here. Stopping. Is this your first time watching a professional wrestling show? Come on. This is a very standard referee distraction. Way if. If somebody was standing on the apron instead of this chair, you would. You would have the referee look the same. This was a chair. What was that chair going to (laughs) do on its own? Yeah, but okay. But, but the performers could fall on the chair afterwards. Then who would be, who'd be blamed for something like that? You got to clear the ring of any obstructions. You're looking at the safety of the performer five minutes from now. He's in a a devastating hold right now. I just thought this was so silly in terms of like, there's a million ways to distract a referee. I thought this was really just lazy. I didn't think this was any dumber than any of the other ways to distract a referee. If you're going to call this dumb, I would suggest that they're all pretty dumb. Um, <laughs> well, I'll call out every dumb one I see, but this was on the higher end of one. So Jericho has stabbed the screwdriver and Takeshka applies the walls of Jericho. And I really like this finish. 
they mm-hmm. do the arms going up and like the the way this has now been built is that you are trained to believe that the arm is going to go down the three times so when jericho holds on for two this crowd really was buying into that the arm was going down and he fights it but then Takeshita pulls him to the center and jericho taps out to his own finisher so they they certainly he tapped have that to like a line tamer variation yeah so, I mean, th- there were definitely some moments in, in this match, but um, Jericho took like a lot in the in this match from like that blue thunderbomb off the top. Oh, um, yeah. His, his, his head bouncing death. everywhere. At one point, like, um, I believe like he took a drop kick and like got ricocheted into the ropes pretty hard. That was uh, the brain buster spot on the floor. Like, like yeah. he took a lot of like physical stuff in this match. And at the end, I mean, this this was the right finish for Takeshita and a meaningful one with, with the walls. Like we talked like this program has certainly been greatly hampered with Kenny Omega's um, ailment, his diverticulitis. In addition uh, to everything else that that's been going on with Jericho. Right. Yes. With, with Jericho as well. So, I mean, this kind of just reheated Takeshita up with a really significant win um, over, over Jericho here. So yeah. I, I really like the finish though. I thought, I thought that was really well done. This is a very, very good match here. You know, you can um, maybe understand why their last match at DDT was, um, I think, praise so much because these two have incredible chemistry and it was very clear to me that this was a chris jericho that wanted to replicate that level of quality and spectacle uh for a television audience in AEW. um Takeshita, i thought looked at his best here and i would say jericho looked among his at his best as well as an in-ring performer everything they did to me looked pretty good maybe that um that that attempt went when he um oh there was the mask bot there there was that moment where he he lifted jericho and he ended up just like almost losing him. So went to like a bastard driver and then just deadlifts Jericho up. And that just seemed like this incredible recovery that they oh, had. Freakish strength, strength, strength. From, <laughs> excuse me. From, I can't even speak. Oh, it's it's <laughs> breathtaking to watch this guy just execute a deadlift like this. So, I mean, he's he's a very, very uh, strong man. Um, that Kenosuke Takeshita. It's powerhouse Takeshita. Oh. With all due respect to Hobbs. Lost my breath there good match collision on saturday we have got uh cassidy and ishii and then moxley and claudio against espinge and star jr announced but that takes us to the main event of big bill and ricky starks against sting and darby allen tornado match for the aew tag titles huge reaction for sting and he's got his kids in the front row and man his his two can, sons can, can you really call them kids anymore these are like grown, grown men. adults yes um who looked uh, a lot like him, at least his his one son, like looks oh, like. Oh, if, if Tony Khan wants to continue Sting, um, one of the sons could just, you know, you could get another 30 years out of this character. Totally. Sting 2.0. Yeah, I mean, the luchadors do it. Why Why can't Sting? Sting. Mm, yes. Okay, maybe not. Mm. <laughs> they brawl into the crowd right away, and uh, Sting is at home, climbing on top of the balcony, and we get the balcony dive early in the match, and just pops right up. Lands, dude, Big Bill and Ricky Starks. I mean, uh, this was thankfully not a Jericho Takeshita dive. This was, uh, they caught him perfectly. It was like, <laughs> no one, if anyone doesn't catch Sting, you're fired, okay? Yeah, it, uh, it's too bad Sting wasn't wearing a, an Oni mask. That would have uh, hindered his, his vision here. I was shocked that Sting did this balcony dive. Like, no, it wasn't weren't. even to end. I was shocked because we are so close to revolution and any sort of major risk to this man's health that would prevent him from making that match would be unfathomable. 
Okay. Um, not only that, like this wasn't even a, a, a match closing dive. This was a dive to commercial. And this was one of the taller dives Sting has ever done. Sting, we want a really hot throw to picture in picture. It, 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 yeah, exactly. Is he doing a 450 at the Greensboro Coliseum? I'm going to say What has no. Darby taught him? What has Darby talked him? In, you can do this. Uh, like he could probably pull off a coffin drop pretty well. I've thought of that. That's that's one move like with the like projecting your back for yeah. Sting, just knowing that issue and like the buckle bomb issue he had. I would actually not want to see him do the coffin drop. I mean, nor would I want to see him do a dive off the balcony. Well, at least he sees his landing and he's got people to catch him. Um, anyway, it's it's going to be a wild match uh, next month. But anyway, uh, we get back. They make it their way to the ring. Darby Allen goes for his tope suicida, which is already at a pretty incredible rate of speed. But this man, his yin has found his yang in Big Bill because he dives and right into a giant swinging side slam on the floor that looked incredible. 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 I mean, what do you call this? Like, this was like, um, this is like he spun like a Beyblade, you know, (laughs) like he just, you wind the thing up and then... Like, it was incredible. The best boss boss man slam I've ever seen. Bill brings out a table and goes to military press Darby through it. But this is when Sting makes his comeback and stops him. Starks hits a scorpion death drop onto Sting for a two count. And then it's Sting with a pair of Stinger splashes onto Big Bill. Code Red onto Big Bill. And then the coffin drop to the floor. Starks doesn't land the drop kick. And Sting is able to take the legs, apply the scorpion death lock. When Bill returns with Darby still on his back and Darby sends both of them off the apron through the table, Starks gets to the rope, but they explain it's a tornado match, so it doesn't break up the hold, but Sting loses his grip. And then as he goes for another Stinger splash, Starks yanks off the turnbuckle pad at the last second, so Sting goes into the buckle, and Starks goes into the corner, but he's torn. Is is he going to end Sting right here? And as he is contemplating it, he goes for the spear, Hits it. Sting kicks out. This place is going nuts for Sting. Starks goes for a follow-up spear, but this time Sting has him scouted. And he runs right into a scorpion death drop for a massive pop as Sting pins Ricky Starks. And Sting and Darby win the AEW tag titles. The little moment of hesitation from Starks and and maybe, you know, giving us a little bit of a glimpse of the heart that is, you know, within his his sort of uh, icy soul was interesting. I mean, does it suggest to you maybe... um... Uh, that he's flirting with a babyface turn again. You, you could come out of that. You could certainly, man, I'd hate to see them. I enjoy Starks and Big Bill. I think Me these too. two, like they're such odd figures to imagine having a chemistry as a team, but it's worked. Mm. But you do have that, that you could have Big Bill um, call out Ricky Starks. Like you cost mm-hmm. you hesitated at the end. And mm-hmm. um, it, it, certainly you could take that as, you know, for, for Starks. Like it was done for a reason here. Feels like a very natural feud to follow up this this tag title run, which is greatly over exceeded my expectations. Of course, you know, um, I guess uh, they were supposed to. What was the big thing? I guess they were supposed to face who? 
Kenny Omega, of course. Yeah, Kenny Omega and Jericho. That didn't end up happening. Right. Um, but I, I think these two really made the best of, of their time with these championships, especially Big Bill. Let's man, let's let's talk about W. Morrissey here, who really greatly over uh, I think achieved my expectations of him in this role. He feels not just only like a very sort of like a, uh, I don't know, well rounded. Um, performer at this point good personality good charisma great in ring uh he really feels like he's he's made a very strong comeback and and this tag team i think really cemented you know the the the, the big bill comeback uh, i was shocked at the level of quality of this match because this was not sting taking it easy at all like this was him wrestling probably what felt like have we seen him wrestle his, his second last match would you say um Maybe they do one title defense. I, I I could see this being the last one before the pay-per-view. I they don't, don't they really don't need another match unless you just feel the need for it on, on TV. Like there would I think you'd have to have a reason for it. Yeah, this this could have been it. Let's not risk, you know, the, 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 any, any potential injury to this man. He he did a lot in this match and mm-hmm. has clearly gotten into some of the best shape of his entire run ahead of this revolution match because the man was not gassed at the end of this. This went a pretty long time. He was doing a lot of crazy shit and was not just hanging out in the corner waiting for Darby. He's looked rough in some recent appearances. This was, yeah. you know... A- like yeah. we're talking tornado tag. He didn't have time waiting on the apron. He was active this entire time running around the entire jumping off of balconies. You know, he killed it here as did these other three. All of them I thought looked amazing. Yeah. So they went with the tag title change here on TV and the kids get into the ring. There's a confetti celebration. And then the young bucks attack. They're all in white with their white bats. And, you know, sometimes we talk about, uh, about blood. Can't, can't dispute the fact that it really made this segment because Darby is bleeding a gusher from his forehead and all this blood gets smeared onto the white suits of the young bucks. It was a phenomenal visual and they're just beating them down. They go for the BTE trigger, which Excalibur notes he has been told is now the EVP trigger tons of heat here. And they just dump the belts on top of sting and Darby. These sons had to sell forever because all of the attack was on Sting and Darby, and I think Matt realized it. He finally gave one of them a kick. <laughs> one of the sons is just like looking at one point, and he's like, oh, man, we've been down from like a punch for a really long time here. And they just had to lie here for like five minutes. But super heated angle, and at the end, Excalibur. What a line to go off the show with. The Young Bucks will never recover from this. Their reputation is destroyed. I thought this angle was awesome. Like really um, I thought easily the strongest thing the Bucks have done since these new characters were introduced. I could certainly go for more of this in the next couple of weeks. And then post-revolution, they can get back to all the EVP meta stuff. But this was really great angle to build it. Like this felt like the main event of a pay-per-view type of angle. And now you have the tag titles involved. It was a good, bloody, violent angle to offset some of the campaigns we've seen out of the bucks with this particular gimmick and you're right i think they need to continue in this direction to make this feel like it's the level of serious war that it needs to be for sting's final match um great match though um and, and you know part of i think the uh this entire sort of a, a final run for sting uh, was me expecting a lot more of Ric Flair, who we I don't feel like we've seen in quite a while. Do you think that he pops back up? 
It's a good question. Like he has been absent for a long time and it's not as though like they were plugging the woo energy stuff on the show as well. They, so they were. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was yeah. like the sponsor of the first match. So it's not like that is not incorporated into all of this. I can't imagine he's not going to be there for the Greensboro show. And mm-hmm. I would think at the very least, they're going to have him do some promo on one of these TVs uh, over the next few weeks. Cause mm-hmm. I think that's what you should be relying on. The next few weeks should be about, Sting's history and contemplate. Can I do this against the Young Bucks? And after this beatdown, like it should be more on the buildup, focusing on the match. I don't. I don't think you need to do these. Have these two wrestle, but mm-hmm. you know, you, you are still selling tickets and stuff. And maybe, maybe they squeeze in one more with uh, Sting and Darby. I hope it's against Christopher Daniels and um, Matt Seidel. <laughs> yeah, Matt Seidel. Yes. Give them an easy one. No, that'll be a great match too if that happens. So there you go. That was dynamite overall. I mean, the 30 minute match, the, the main event that, I mean, I, I don't know what to expect in this main event. It was all contingent on sting. And I would say it, it, it delivered in a, in a big way. This crowd was great in um, where were they tonight in Phoenix? Mm-hmm. I thought overall that it was like, we, we've kind of gotten away from some of these more heated AEW crowds. Like the atmosphere has not been just a given that you get on these shows. So it was a nice, um, it, it elevated a, a lot on, on the show as well, but I'd say overall, I, uh, Jericho and Takeshita was like had had his bumps in there, but uh, you know both worked really really hard. Great finish for that. So, um, Revolution is taking shape. It is, yeah. I really enjoyed Dynamite tonight. When you book in the show with uh, such quality, and I, the CMLL match in there too, yeah, d- yes, uh, top 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 to to bottom. I thought you had some really strong wrestling in this, um, and some pretty decent build towards Revolution as well. So, um. Thumbs up show. What, uh, so we, we kind of have like a pretty good idea of what the card's going to be, don't we, for Revolution? I think Diana. we have key matches that, I mean, ultimately, this is the Sting show. Mm-hmm. I'm very high on what this show is going to end up doing. Like, I'm not I'm not predicting that this is going to be like 200,000 buys, but I think this is going to be a really strong number all off of Sting mm-hmm. and the retirement match. Like, if this hits 200, that might sound ridiculous, being that only two shows in their history have hit that. Um, but this is going to be big. This is... These are the type of things that do attract people that are not your every month buyers that I think that there's the lead up to this. Now it is all about the nostalgia and pushing. This is historic. What you're going to see people believe that this is his retirement match. This isn't one of those like wink and a nods. Like, is this really a, is this just another wrestling retirement? I think people buy this as legit. Um, (laughs) Wait till next year. Well, second final match. Yeah. Um, so anyway, no, ne- next year they'll get Foley. Uh, <laughs> so no, I, I'm very high, like a month out and the Joe hangman swerve. That's a really strong number two. And, and the rest of the card will figure itself out. We've got uh, orange Cassidy versus Roderick strong, of course. And then timeless Tony storm versus Deanna Perrazzo as well. Right. There you go, everybody. We will now move on over to feedback and super chat. So if you want to get any of your questions in, you're welcome to do so. Also, up on the forum, you can uh, shoot in your uh, your feedback for the smashing machine if you want to get that in before Thursday. We got a super chat here from Aaron Bowman Sr. who sends $5 to say, I used to listen to Jelly Roll mixtapes back in 2010. Never would have thought he'd blow up like he has. His story is crazy. Love the content, fellas. Super Bowl commercial, Jelly Roll. Yes. Okay. All right. All right, we're going to go to Mark with our first piece of feedback. An all-time great dynamite from a 30-minute 
clinic to open the show to Sting's final World Tag Team Championship victory and closing show angle. So wild to remember being nine years old and watching a tape of Super Brawl 2 and Sting winning the WCW title from Lex Luger. And here we are 32 years later with this win. I can't think of a better final run for any talent than Sting's over the last several years in AEW. He's certainly got that uh, 65-year-old run on lock for the time being. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. uh, I can't uh, a feeling of momentum throughout the show is both revolution and now big business in the weeks ahead. A welcome distraction from all the other awful news throughout the business right now. Uh, before I go, I want to commend John Brandon and Bix on an excellent episode today covering Titan Gate. People need to listen and see that these Janelle Grant accusations don't exist in a bubble. And I hope justice finally catches up with the organization. Quick question um, that you've already addressed at the top do you read the statement from anthony ciccioni being one that seems to give the impression that the future of tna is to focus on growing with anthem rather than other companies in wrestling i don't have his statement in front of me i know that um anthony ciccioni did have a statement but way if you want to read the next piece of feedback i'll pull it up okay sure um i read the statement um hard to like i don't know if that like that statement directly answers whether or not um tna will continue working with other companies one can argue that the working relationship with other companies is helping them grow and and arguably making them stay relevant within the professional wrestling space because everybody else is working with everybody else um I don't really know what to read into it It, beyond the fact that um, it sounds like they're going to either use TNA to benefit the rest of Anthem's properties or use the rest of Anthem's properties to benefit TNA through cost savings or just through other corporate synergies, you know? Um, It's an element that, you know, could be a factor. It's like we can look at TNA and, I mean – kind of the the go-to has always been that like TNA is in this different position than a lot of other wrestling companies in that, you know, they're not this insulated company that is you're measuring like what they're making on pay-per-view or selling tickets. It's within this larger ecosystem that is Anthem. But I mean, we can look at this, like this is not a company that is like, they're spending a lot of money. I am Mm. sure that I, I would be stunned if they've been profitable in any of these years under Anthem but would now be the time to be changing that when you're fine. It feels like they've been trying to get that spark going and yeah, you don't have a bonfire yet, but you've at least got some, some smoke and you're creating some re like you're, you've really made some inroads over this, this past month with this rebranding. And Scott, the is that guy that has had a lot of connections with the talents, with these different promotions. Like he is, you know, he can pick up the phone and, and pretty much, run a company in the way you would want so again that's looking at it from the business aspect and we don't know if that's the you know the the be all end all in, in all of this in anthony ciccioni i won't read this whole thing but he did write this uh this move is intended to further integrate tna wrestling into the entertainment group of anthem sports and entertainment as we work to leverage the resources of the entire company to add more value and a lot of this is just kind of a replay or a repeat of the the press release, but that's sort of where we were going. TNA wrestling is in a position to take a big leap toward its next stage of growth and expansion. While we can create more operational efficiency, the most exciting part is expanding existing revenue streams and developing new ones. Wrestling promotions have evolved from event-driven businesses to global media 
enterprises. I thought the next paragraph is pretty interesting too. He says, I was in Las Vegas last, this is Anthony Ciccioni. He says, I was in Las Vegas last month for both the Hard to Kill pay-per-view and the next night's Stank Eye, Stank Eye show. Those are not just the two best pro wrestling shows I have attended. They were record-setting for TNA wrestling on multiple fronts. That growth, expansion, and popularity that thousands witnessed live and in person in Las Vegas and live on pay-per-view around the world will continue in 2024. So, um, the two best wrestling shows he's been to. I, I I don't know how many wrestling shows. Like I'm sure he's been to quite a few wrestling shows over these last uh, six years. So, mm-hmm. but I mean the the nest, the first question you would come to is that this was such a great milestone for the company where we're, we're getting rid of the person who was behind all of this, or at least mm-hmm. one one of the key people. Mm. All right. Uh, let's go up next to Andrew from Cape Breton, who says, definitely one of the better shows that they've had recently with some incredible heat at the end of the night. I'm really interested in the outcome of Sting's final match. You could go in any direction by having the great Sting farewell or making the Bucks even more despised with beating Sting. I also really like Hedger Cerro. I never heard of him until watching him wrestle on Saturday, and he's someone who they should probably bring back from time to time, like Vikingo, Ishii, Suzuki, RVD, and others. He's someone they should give a title to. They have enough to go around. Why not give one to a guy in another in another company? Swerving hang, hangmen were great, and while it was predictable, the match at the pay per view should be really good. Great show overall. All right, next up we go to Sal, who writes: "This was a great dynamite. Best part was watching Sting and Darby win the titles with my three kids. My kids love Sting and Darby, and it's a big event in our household anytime they wrestle. They all cheered at the end and were furious at the Young Bucks afterward. Sting's time in AEW has been something special, and it's a lot of fun watching one of my childhood favorites with my own kids. I'll be making the flight to Greensboro for his last match, and I'm really excited for it. Hope you guys have a great night. Mm. All right, uh, super chat here from John Cena, who says Swerving Han- and Hangman were three o's thirty o six. Sorry, John. The Grinch. Hey, you gotta can't can't give them the the credit if they you were gotta off. get the right time on cage match, Cino. So thank you very much, Cino, for that. Uh, let's go to Chris from Nevada, who says solid show. Hangman and Swerve could legit fight forever, and I would never get tired of it. I saw the three way coming, yet I was still excited for whatever direction they want to go. I've enjoyed Tony Storm, but am I the only one hoping Deanna gets the title at Revolution? And I'm hoping their match is in color, as the black and for- the back and forth between to black and white shirt is a number on my eyes. Uh, I, I I hope the whole. I'm pretty sure the whole match will be in color, like like it was tonight. CMLL versus BCC. Is this building to CMLL being part a part of Forbidden Door? Is that uh, that's an interesting you know idea? Mm. It's 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 a very easy um, hmm. inclusion that you can make now that you have the relationship. He says the undisputed kingdom can attack any, any everyone in the locker room, and I still won't take them seriously until Cole is back and out of the wheelchair. The main event was wild, definitely like the tornado tag rules added to the match. And even if the finish was predictable, I still went wild for Sting getting gold again. Um, do you think he wants to lose at Revolution, or would you cap Darby and Sting as undefeated throughout their entire run? I would have Sting and Darby win at, at Greensboro and have like the Bucks do not. It's not as though the Bucks are some like rising act that this is going to somehow stifle. Um, I just feel at this point, it's like this show is so much about Sting, but I think ultimately it's going to be his call. Like he might be adamant on losing. And I would think that the Bucks are probably adamant upon losing as well. Like that would yeah. not surprise me at all um, that, that you have one of those situations. But I, I think in this case, having these two, um, retire as, as champions like uh, i don't really have an issue with that and you go off with the the feel-good ending as opposed to like what are we are, are we making the young bucks with, with, with a win like they're they're teflon 
Yeah, I, I think you can certainly go either way. Um, but I want to see the finish that creates the most drama. And if the most drama is, you know, a big sort of celebratory moment here with with um, Sting holding his championship at the end, uh, then so be it. But if the most drama is created with him taking a heartbreaking pinfall loss, you know, a la Sean and Flair, I I would love to see that, too. You know, whatever is is it creates for the best moment I, I want to see. If they can top the moment of Mudo climbing for the moonsault and realizing he can't do it anymore, that will be that's my litmus test, okay, for, for this type of a match, that kind of uh drama. At this point, maybe he could do a moonsault, this thing. Maybe he'll try. Last one is Jordan from the Bronx. Swerve and Hangman can wrestle a thousand times and it will never get old. The CML integration so far is a lot of fun. The women's division has more depth to it than before. I love the timeless gimmick, but less is more during the matches. Tonight, she dialed it back. It was more focused and vicious. Sting and Darby winning the tag titles is not what I would do, but we know that it's only going to be a month-long reign. I wonder what happens to Big Bill and Starks going forward. Do they keep teaming or go back to being singles? I truly enjoyed them together, and I wouldn't have minded if they kept the belts a bit longer. Well, I think we answered all those uh, questions in a roundabout way. Uh, throughout the discussion so mm. there you go seemed to be a very uh positively uh positive dynamite for for most looking at this show as they uh get closer and closer to the pay-per-view thursday we're back with rewind away so you can jump on postwrestlingcafe.com for that and then a friday night rewind to smackdown we will be back to talk all the latest news we'll chat about the uh the wrestlemania press conference and whatever they do following that up uh, was SmackDown that I believe is in Charlotte on Friday night and uh, extensive Super Bowl preview on Friday. We're going to go oh, through all the, the starters. We'll go through the prop bets. Um, huge. You huge want to come week. back for a review on Sunday, John? Definitely not. You want to review the Super Bowl? No, no, no. Okay. I, I don't think I'll even turn on the Super Bowl to be quite honest, but hey, <laughs> maybe we'll talk That's about Usher. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. 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 Okay, that's it for us, everyone. Two shows in the can today. Back tomorrow. That is it. Hey, choptees.com slash post wrestling. Support your favorite post wrestling podcast by grabbing a t shirt. Choptees.com. Hey, 10% off for new, new orders. Free shipping and 10% off. What are we Excuse crazy? Me? Are we, we going to a mess here? I got a message, Dickie, about that. This is just, uh, ugh. Ugh. Proper Goodbye. efficiencies streamlining the revenue pillars thank you okay good night